0: Welcome to The Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. My guest today is Chris Hawker. So Chris is somebody that came into my world about seven years ago. We experienced a transformational Uh, leadership program back in like 2014. And, you know, going into it, we were both coming with the context of being open to possibilities and being enrolled by the same person. In this case, it was uh, Lewis Howes, who was a mutual friend. You know, I was obviously working with Lewis at the time on the Sports Networker property, which is sports recruiting. And Chris was actually a mentor of Lewis's as he was going through his own journey of college and then coming out and having his injury and no longer becoming an athlete. And he really turned to Chris for some guidance, especially in the business world, because Chris has had a wealth of experience with numerous businesses. He's, you know, self-proclaimed as having like, you know, adult ADHD in the sense that like he always wants to be trying new things and doing creative stuff. And it's really his superpower. So Lewis used to go to these events and trade shows and stuff with Chris. And they, I think they even invented a product together. Well, I'll have to ask him that at another time. I didn't get into it on this episode. But anyways, Chris was somebody that I wanted to bring to you and introduce you to because I still remember a moment in this training that we went through together. It was on like day three and I saw this guy who I kind of knew and we were spending a lot of time together staying at Lewis's place going through this experience. But he showed up one day with just extreme ultimate vulnerability and this feeling of like tra- like complete transformation i saw this in front of my eyes and i was like whoa what did he just experience or feel or see or hear that i'm missing you know and and i'm not going to lie there was moments when we talked about it on this interview where i was like judging myself saying like i'm not having that same experience what's wrong with me am i not smart enough should i even be in this room and and we dove into that, actually, and, and talked about, like, the underlying roots for why we do this to ourselves and, you know, my conscious awareness of doing that to myself over the years of, like, imposter syndrome and just not feeling like I'm ready and that type of thing. And Chris has gone on in the last seven years to do some pretty amazing things. He uh, founded a program, a, a company called Next Level Trainings. He took all of the amazing things that he had experienced himself in the in the leadership program that we did together and he adapted it into uh, a, a whole new experience that was just layered onto, right? He took the best of that and he added additional experience experiences to the workshops that they were creating and just the lives that they were able to now transform Back in their in his home city of Columbus, Ohio. And, of course, they've expanded out to other cities as well. But Chris is an amazing guest. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, He told a story about his childhood growing up and his feelings of insecurity of, you know, being kind of like the self-proclaimed nerd and how back in the day, you know, it was like the image of the nerd was like revenge of the nerds. And it wasn't like it is today where like, you know, the nerds of society are actually like put on a pedestal because like that means you're creative and entrepreneurial. But it was a different time back then, right? And we talked about the nuances of that and how that came forward with him in his life and how he's now been able to really leverage that and use it to be a part of his story. So he's turned his mess into his message. So without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to this interview with Chris. All right, welcome to the Trevor Turnbull show, Mr. Chris Hawker. It's so good to see you again, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this with me.
1: Uh, You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking a little bit before we hit the switch here and went live, just about the context of why I've put together this podcast and and ultimately what is driving me to have these conversations. And I'll just say this statement. So I actually came across this quote recently from Brene Brown, where she says, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it will be somebody else's survival guide. And with that in mind, Chris, I want to dig in and talk about your messy journey Um, because you and I know each other fairly well and we'll get into the details of that. But I want to do this from the perspective of like I want to create the platform for you to be able to talk about your journey to get to this point and for me to introduce you to my network and my audience and ultimately, the message that you'd like to convey from that journey that you've been on, and I know it's been um, <laughs> it's been an eventful one to, it's uh, been to an say the least. Journey.
1: It's been full. You can cram yeah. a lot of life into life if you're living it fully, and it's been it's been a wild ride.
0: Let me uh give a little context for anybody that's listening to, and obviously I would have done a bit of an introduction leading into here, but you and I met like seven years ago at MITT, which is mastery in transformational training. And we did that together in Los Angeles. We were both enrolled by a mutual friend, Lewis Howes, and we didn't know each other before that. And uh, you know, I I still remember, I think it was probably like day three of the basic that we went through. And here was this Chris Hawker guy that I was I was rooming with at the time because Lewis just kind of put us all up in his place, right? And there was a moment, though, where they were doing an exercise and you really leaned into it. And it was really emotional for you. I still remember that. And at the time, like, I was still trying to kind of break through my own um, comfortability with being uncomfortable and being vulnerable and that type of thing. And I saw you just kind of leap into it and just like this is me, you know, vulnerable, honest, raw, and speaking your truth. And in that seven years, we've had time, time to connect since then. Not a ton, right? But I was in Columbus, I think like four or five years ago. Uh, we went out to the pub, played some ping pong, that type of thing. And And you've created this amazing business as well, which is, you know, one of many that you've created, which is Next Level Trainings. And, you know, obviously, where you were before we met, I don't really know any of that story. Do you want to maybe speak to some of that of like what brought you to that point of being so emotional and raw and vulnerable and the shift that it created in your life? Yeah, I'd love
1: to share because um I think it's a story that could benefit a lot of people because a lot of people have experienced similar journeys uh, to myself and and so you know I'd definitely like to share it in, in hopes that it supports people in having you know their own breakthroughs, whether they're similar to mine or or whatever it is. But for me, it's like if I, if I, uh, like, what did I overcome to get here? And it's just been like overcoming myself and really overcoming my, you know, my baggage and overcoming my past and figuring out how to, you know, stop being my own worst enemy. And what led up to the point where we met? So, uh, my life—I grew up. Uh, First of all, with a severe speech impediment, when I was a younger person, I was very nerdy and bright child, really into school. I was a classic nerd back before they, they, they were back before nerds were cool, right? <laughs> back when they were still making like Revenge of the Nerds as a as a show, and I was like that kind of kid. And I had a speech impediment, and so I was not particularly pop, you know popular with the other kids. I got you know made fun of and ostracized. So I kind of turned inwards, and I turned into. You know, books and pets. I had a lot of pets and I had, I was like a little budding ace Ventura. I had multiple, I turned my room into like a mini aviary. By the time I was 13, I had seven species of birds living in my room. I was like breeding and selling birds, right? I'm sure your parents appreciated life. that, huh? Hey? Well, I, you know, so I had the speech impediment and I was kind of like having a rough time at school emotionally, though, a very uh, you know, successful student, but my parents really were like super supportive of, of my nerdy hobbies because it was like where I focused my energy instead of socializing. So I was reading books and passionate about my birds. And I like, whatever I got into, I was like super into it. You know, I, I, you know, I was super into reading and I was super into drawing and I was super into my birds and I got super into fish. And then I started an aquarium maintenance business. And uh, when I was 16 years old and I was like setting up aquariums. So all through school, while well, I wasn't super social. I was like being an entrepreneur before that was like kind of a thing. Cause it was before the internet and people like young entrepreneurs, like became a thing. So and I'm like, I rolled into college already, like, you know, a seasoned entrepreneur at kind of a small scale. And, um, meanwhile, I also rolled into college with like massive self-esteem issues. And like, you know, I had social anxiety and didn't know how to connect with people. And while I'd always had a few close friends who I was really invested in, I had a lot of, uh, emotional pain around you know just like feeling rejected by uh, you know my peers and thus rejecting myself so while I had a lot of success I also like had a lot of self-doubt and a lot of self-loathing so I'm like coming into uh, you know college when I start you know finding myself but I never really learned how to process any of my emotional pain because I grew up this incredibly amazingly beautifully miraculously wonderful family supportive family with you know an older brother who was like my Protector and great friend, always and still is a great, you know, just a great, best of all possible friends So, like, I I had a really, a real sweet scene, even though I was like mostly obsessed with how I was in social breakdown, (laughs) right? Like, I wasn't paying attention to all to all that sweetness, and so in my family, the other thing though was like we weren't allowed to have a bad day, so we'd stuff all of our negative emotions. So as like, I'm going through this, like, everything's okay. Everything's all right. I'm achieving all these things inside Meanwhile, I'm, like, miserable. And then the last little piece of my puzzle is that I, you know, learned at a very young age that boys aren't supposed to cry or have big emotions. And I was an extremely emotional creature. Boom. Big emotions. Big feelings. Crying. Smiling. Happy and sad and all the things. And I was like, had been made very clear over the times that like, this was inappropriate. And at some point I like became really clear and ashamed of my feelings. And so I was you know, I would like stuff my feelings and like suck it up and put on a happy face and like just achieve to prove that I mattered at the same. So like, this is like the deep story into like how, where, where we showed up since, you know, I showed up MITT like a pressure cooker that had never allowed any of the pressure out. And I had been like a, Kind of like successful entrepreneur as a professional inventor. So I like parlayed my aquarium maintenance business and, and bird thing into like making guitar uh aquarium accessories and selling them to my clients which turned into me pursuing a, a passion to become a professional inventor. There's a whole story in there and many other uh pieces to it but you know I went through college and I had started this invention business and then I was running that for years and it was incredibly cool and very stressful and I had zero coping skills. And so, and I still was stuffing all my feelings, still feeling all this social anxiety. And like, while I achieved a certain amount of success, I had a large amount of internal turmoil. And so when I showed up at that scene, I was like, sort of at one level, like really ready to go, you know, and the work I'd done previously had set me up to win. So it's like in this uh, desperate search to like, you know, heal whatever was hurting me. I tried all kinds of things, none of which had gotten the job done. You know, and I was just like, oh man, why am I still suffering? I've tried everything, you know, and I've tried, I got the hobbies. I'm like reasonably fit. I've got the beautiful wife, the the cool job, all the things. And I'm still not happy, still not satisfied. What am I doing wrong? And so when Lewis invited me to that, you know, this conference, he said, this is like powerful experience. And I was like, just like, sure, I'll try anything. (laughs) And it was like, I'm going to get away from my life and my wife. You know, because we were in breakdown, I could like use a break and just like some space to like catch up and like get my head straight. And was like, even if this experience isn't awesome, and Lewis says it's awesome, and here's a person who I trust completely. So if he says it's good, it's got to be good. And then I was like, at the very least, I'll probably meet some cool people. And that's how we came together. So I showed up, I met you and other folks staying with Lewis at his, you know, crashing at his pad. And when he, he showed up, he was like, play for your life, fight for your life, just go for it. Like you've never gone for anything before. And I was like, uh, okay.
0: (laughs) I know we all wanted answers, right? Every single night is like, well, what do we expect tomorrow? It's like, you'll see, you'll see, just play all out. Right. So that's, that's the story of what led me up to that point. I was bottled up
1: with a lot of ideas and a lot of foundation from the work, a lot of philosophy, a lot of concepts, you know, I'd practiced a lot of things It's just nothing, nothing, What was different about what happened at MITT is what I say, no kid gloves. Like everything else was like sort of like trying to gentle your way into like a transformation and the work that they do there that now I do, you know, as a trainer at Next Level Trainings, the work of like, you know, transformation um, of capital T, meaning it's like a, a particular brand or style of personal development is a very direct, you know, Powerful interruptive technique that's like, you know, for people who are ready to go at that level, right? It's like the opposite of therapy, which is like for people who are, you know, if, if you think about physical therapy, it's like someone's hurt and they need to be, you know, you need to be gentle with them. You don't go to the gym and you got a trainer going
0: harder, harder,
1: you know. But here it was just like, it was that. It was like, go, 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 go. And I went, 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 went. And then suddenly I broke through something, and something popped open. And that's what you witnessed. It was, a moment where something like, I was like, finally, like something just broke loose and all this, you know, 30 years of shame and every negative emotion I'd ever, never experienced came out in like 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, it was, I think that was probably one of the aspects that I took away from that experience too, was that the experiences that I was witnessing other people go through were breakthroughs for myself too. Right. And it was like, you know, as a part of the journey, I, I still remember. You know, there was a few um, elements to what we went through as an experience together, and and I showed up to kind of like the, th- the third version of that when we started our uh, our four month journey. And I remember Alicia Dunham's, who was also with us in that journey too. She came up to me at one point, and she's like you still haven't spoken up yet, right? I was just kind of observing and sitting back. And like I said, having my own transformational moments and like these moments of ahas of like, oh my God, like, you know, I can now see the world differently. But it was through things like what what you did and what other people were stepping up and doing. And I appreciate you sharing some of that insight into the background too, because, you know, for me, I was was less the kind of, um, you know, Intellectual, entrepreneurial minded, trying to like doing a million things. I was like an athlete. I was just a hockey player and that's all I did. And I thought I would do that forever. And then I couldn't anymore. And it became a loss of identity. And I didn't find that kind of entrepreneurial bug inside of me until university. And even then, too, it was like I had two courses that were, you know, just side courses that you could take instead of, you know, some other elective that was a requirement just to graduate and they ended up being the most inspiring classes that I took because they were literally just like why don't you come up with an idea and then pitch it to us like that was literally the framework of the class you know and I know when you and I met um because we you know I didn't even know much about your business or your background or anything until I came to Columbus and you took me on a tour even inside of the the um office that you have. And he's like, and here's our 3D printing machine. And here's this new thing we just launched on Kickstarter. And here's this other thing that we're helping them get funding for and finding batteries that will last longer and all these things. And I was just like, whoa, this is such cool stuff, right? I'm like, who thinks like this? So anyways, there was just so much uh, intrigue as to like, who is this guy? And I'm just so glad that we're reconnected here again and having these kind of conversations. Let's maybe talk about like the, so next level training. So you, you know, you went through through all the stuff that we went through together. You you kept going on a few of those tracks and started to go even deeper on how you could not only have this be a very transformational experience for yourself, but then bring that to other people, have that experience be a part of their life as well. And I ended up enrolling a couple of people, I was telling you, into your um, program, into your next level trainings. And this was a number of years ago now, but- what do you think from your past experiences enabled you to be a trainer that can actually create these kind of experiences for other people what what is it about your past your messy journey that brought you to the point to be a valid like transformational trainer well um
1: like everything in my life that happened before I got to that training where we met <clears throat> was like preparation for that training in a way like it like been a big warm up which I didn't know, right? I didn't know I needed that. I didn't know it was coming, and, and no one anticipated. No one was like, "Someday Chris is going to do this thing, and it's going to create this shift in this trajectory." Because I was this focused inventor. I was working on my inventions, helping other people with their inventions, as well as doing uh, my own ideas and making things and designing things and licensing and just you know all kinds of invention nonsense, right? Just like all, all over the place and intending to grow that business. And then I went to this, this training and uh, had this, you know, incredibly powerful experience there, which at the time I didn't realize everyone else wasn't having a similarly powerful, which isn't to say that they weren't having powerful experiences like yourself and everyone had very powerful experiences. But uh, mine, you know, in retrospect, I now know was like on the upper end of what people create there. Cause I just like, I just had this epiphany in that moment you witnessed, where just like suddenly everything broke loose and in this incredibly powerful thing. And then afterwards, everything changed for me. But in looking back and, you know, and then what ap- happened after that, that led to me to today, I realized, you know, I'd been preparing in a certain way for a long time
0: for that moment, which led to where I am now. And so it was an unlock for you almost, right? It was just like permission to Move forward, Chris. You've got. This. Well, there are all these like threads
1: of my life, and then suddenly they all like came together whoosh, in this one thing, and then created this incredibly powerful momentum. So the the threads were, you know, I'd, I'd grown up with this, this speech impediment and had this, you know, very low self esteem. I and then very, eventually had overcome that and like found the other side, overcame the speech impediment, but also my self esteem, and especially through this work, like really broke through that learned to like fall in love with myself and fully accept myself and embrace my big feelings and embrace my authentic self and self-judging me and allowing myself to be fully expressed. And so, but I'd had this history of, of suffering. And so today I look back on that and I'm like so grateful for having that because it gives me so much compassion and empathy for what other people experience and especially the outcasts and what I learned now is like almost everyone actually at some level feels like an outcast where they don't belong and people don't understand them or don't get them really because they don't. People can't truly get you or understand you because they can't be inside you. And and that's actually a skill to be able to share yourself fully enough so that people can get you. But people, you know, generally speaking, if you're looking for ways in which they miss it, they're going to miss it. Right. And so like everyone feels that way and, and I get it. Cause I spent so many years wallowing in like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why can't you learn how to talk? I hate you learn how to talk. What's wrong with you? As if, you know, the beatings would, you know, continue until I got better at talking. Right. Like that was going to motivate me. And so that having that as an apprenticeship and suffering and compassion for the suffering of others, being an avid reader, I like read so many books. You know, I learned how to think and read and like, uh, and absorb information and, and expand my imagination because, you know, because I wasn't socializing, I was disappearing into a world of imagination. And as a trainer, it's like my job is to see possibilities before they occur. And as an inventor, my entire training has been is once you see a possibility to see what the options are and to see what's missing, and then how do you go from what's missing and cause that thing to appear in the world and manifest? And so it's like, whether it's a product, right? Like an idea for a thing, you're like, oh, this should exist. Here's one of my inventions, onion goggles. Here's one of my inventions. So it's like, there's no, you know, onion goggles. I'm not, you know, I wasn't the first to have the idea, right? For sure. Uh, It's just like, I took action on it, but it was something missing from the landscape. So as a trainer, it turns out it's the same exact tool set. It's just looking at people. What's missing from Trevor? What's missing from Chris? What's missing from anyone? Like, that's a higher possibility not to make them wrong because there's so much working. And it's that also seeing, like, what's working, but then, like, what's the higher possibility? And then there's a set of tools for causing it to come out. And it turns out those tools aren't that dissimilar from the inventor tools that I use, which is, like, seeing what's possible, creating a strategy to manifest it, and then executing with excellence. So it's, like, what set me up is, you know, this all this experience. Then I got to college, by the way, and then college, I, you know, I started out in computer science and uh, took a class on comparative religion, As an elective class, to your point, you know, it was by far the most inspiring class I took. And half like I was one course away from finishing all my required course material for my computer engineering degree, all the math, all the science, all the physics, all the computer programming, except for one class. when I took a class studying the Quran and looking at it as literature and all the background information. And halfway through that quarter, I dropped out of computer science and took on comparative religion. And ended up graduating from Ohio State with a degree in comparative religion because I felt this is what it feels like to be excited about what you're doing. Like I was good at computers, but uh, like at night when I w- we would go home, my like roommates would go on the computer and be like tapping away and hacking their neighbors. And I was going out like dancing or going to camping or like running around, look, chasing, you know, a good time or whatever. And I was like, these kids are like passionate about computers. And like I wasn't feeling that way. So the comparative religion degree last, you know, big theme though, is like learning how to rigorously see the world through the eyes of the others in a non-judgmental way. And just like profound mentorship from a, a beautiful mind, Lindsay Jones, who was just like a person who shaped, uh, you know, minds and uh, just passed away from uh, pancreatic cancer uh, earlier this year, unfortunately, uh, great loss. But um, so like just the, the shifting of my perspective on, on the power of our minds that occurred there. So like a lot of things came together, you know, and then I showed up at this training with all this background plus a strong desire to, you know, heal. And then like, I had that cataclysmic event and then suddenly I was became like so excited about the possibilities here. And then uh, to your point, I kept going. It didn't stop. So that's, that's
0: how. Like the thing that's coming to mind here too that I think people might be able to really resonate with with your background is like intellectually, it sounds like even from as a young kid and through high school and into college and stuff, you were very um self-aware that like you enjoyed learning, you enjoyed consuming information, you enjoyed reading books, right? Like I was the exact opposite. Like I didn't do any of that stuff. I literally like played sports, <laughs> you know? Really? And but there was just Jake different tricks. Yeah. yeah right, but and but there was just different trigger, you know. It was just different past kind of. Well, get I was to a terrible state. at sports, and my brother was great at
1: sports. So I was like, any in like there was no point in me trying at sports. So I was like, I focused on what I was good at because then we didn't compete, and so he didn't have to like be better than me. And so he was my protector, and I was like good at drawing and you know school, and he was good at people and and sports. And to this day, he's good at people in sports, and I'm good at drawing it. And I've learned people. You know, I learned people for me was like a learned skill. Like he had it naturally. I I was so awkward with humans um, until about last year. You know, just like <laughs> just like my you know ch- whole childhood, I felt so alienated. And then it was it was truly like when I I stopped feeling uncomfortable. And this, when I you know started this work, because it's like when I stopped judging myself, which is why, you know, I always thought I was felt uncomfortable because like people were judging me. And then in that moment, it is like, I realized, oh, it's not because people are judging me. It's because I'm judging me. And as soon as I stopped, I realized no one's judging me. They don't have time. They're too
0: busy judging themselves. And it's the intellectuals too, if I can, you know, put you in a box of like the people that are reading and like intellectually, they come into like, like an experience, like we went to, like, I still remember sitting in that room at times too. And just thinking like, I don't have a freaking clue what anybody's talking about here. Like there's, there was moments where I was like, well, that's interesting. But I, and then you'd see somebody jump in with the trainers, which were the, the, we had some amazing trainers too. Chris Lee, of course. And But, yeah, I remember experiencing some conversations where I was like, man, this is way over my head, you know. Uh, But I think that was the thing that you're enlightening for me right now, though, is that intellectually you probably knew a lot of the stuff that was being talked about. But there was still this element of, like, unlocking the inner dialogue of the stories you were telling yourself as to, like, I know all this stuff, but yet I can't seem to crack the nut of, like, how I apply it to the real world and enroll. This made me even in. more frustrated. <laughs> no doubt. Yes. So we were, and we were on. So same experience, but different, completely different angles, right? Completely different. Welcome to life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Right? People are like, we're all in the same boat, and like, no, no, we're all in the same weather, but we're all in different boats, right? And yeah.
0: And ultimately, it's the outcome that everybody's desiring, right? It's this, um, it's this future version of ourselves that we feel like we're constantly striving for that we can't get to. And we keep reading another book or we keep, you know, whatever, signing up for another Tony Robbins online course and stuff. And it just doesn't change anything, you know?
1: Well, I think on that, it's like people are looking for, here's the last one. Like, I'm trying to, like, get to some place. And actually, I would just say, there's no getting to some place. The place you're trying to be is like a person who's going out is in constant discovery. And so there's no end game. It's like, oh, are you a person who's fascinated by understanding the nature of yourself and reality? Then you'll continue being fascinated by that and doing things that continue to deepen that exploration. It's not like you got it and like, oh, I got it. You know, If you're into that type of exploration, then you never are satisfied. You're like, oh, I just want to go deeper. So people who are uh, going, you know, like, oh, I went to another Tony Robbins, now I need another one. And people like, oh, it's like, how many of those do you need to go to? Well, if you're into it, you never would stop. Because it's not like uh, you get one answer, whether it's Tony Robbins or whatever, you know, next level or yoga or your own meditation practice or Joe Dispenza or whatever you are into. And I say, you know, I'm like, do it all. You know, like some people are like, I'm not a joiner. And I'm like, human beings are joiners just don't be an exclusive joiner join all this stuff you know do all of it and and enjoy all of it and have all these extra dimensions to life right like it's a whole you know developing yourself as a dimension that many people put aside after they finish their formal schooling and you can continue to do formal schooling but there's also all these other dimensions of just continuing to upgrade yourself and this is how i look at it i'm an inventor right like so i'm a A trainer, I'm helping people, supporting people in, like, becoming their best selves. And the way I explain it to them is the way I do it myself is, like, I'm my own greatest invention. And as an inventor, what I do is I come up with an idea, and then I have a vision for the idea, and then I keep working on it and working on it and making it better and better and better and upgrading and upgrading and refining in all the dimensions. And as an invention, I got a lot of dimensions. There's, like, you know, my career. There's my health. There's my appearance or, you know, there's my interactions with people there's my comfort zone for me like one of the things i like to spend a lot of time cultivating is the shape of my comfort zone most people aren't present to that as like part of their thing that they could be working on but i'm always like how can i expand it you know what can i add to it because the more you expand it and add more elements to it the more diversity you have which is an incredibly powerful tool because the more diversity you have, the more different types of interactions in your brain you have, which can create different unexpected results, which leads to more beautiful creativity, which is like my you know, you know, main thing is you know, generating possibilities. So for me, this is uh, exciting. So I want as much diversity as possible. So constantly seeking out new experiences because it benefits all of it. And because it's fun, because I get very (laughs) bored very easily and I don't like it. And so I'm constantly, I'm like a pleasure experience stimulation seeker, but instead of using it to constantly chase after more stimulation for a bigger, whatever, uh, rush, I'm going after like just more and more variety. And so for me, that's, you know, why I do so many different little things is because I'm, because I would otherwise get bored. And so I headed off at the pass And then use my, like, sort of, like, ADD-ness to my benefit instead of, you know, using it as, you know, sure, I'm distracted, going towards something else valuable. (laughs) You know.
0: (laughs) But you're self-aware about it now, right? Like, I think, um, because I know, like, the first, one of the things that's going through my mind here is, like, what, what can people take away from every person that I bring on this podcast, including my perspective, knowing that there's no right one way to approach anything, um, and everybody has a different desired outcome. But ultimately, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I want people to take from the numerous conversations that I'll have is that the outcome is, is something that we can attain to, uh, or aspire to for a goal or a vision or whatever. But if we don't find a way to enjoy the journey and actually be okay with where we currently are and, and okay okay in the sense of like really enjoy it, like love it. We're going to constantly be chasing, you know, and searching. And that's been a really big challenge for me because I'm very goal-oriented. And with the sports background, it was always binary, right? It was like you won or you we lost. You won or lost. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's,
1: here's what I would say uh, about that. Two things. One is the whole point of goals is to cause you to journey. It has nothing to do with the goal itself. It's just if you don't have a goal, then you sit still. And if you sit still, the scenery doesn't change. One day looks like another and then you're, and then pretty soon you look in the mirror and like, holy shit, where'd my life go? Right, right? Like, gray hairs, all the days, gray hairs, and <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I don't remember where those came from. I remember where these came from, right? Like I was there. And but if you were like watching Netflix night after night after night, you may have missed it, right? Time flies just by when there's no variety, right? Because the days collapse. So having the goal gets you moving, and once you're moving, you can change course. But if you change course without moving, right, you can't steer a parked car. So like if you have the goal though, now you're like moving forward, you can always like, oh, maybe not that, and this instead, and now you're seeing seeing the scenery. And that keeps you moving in life. Then you hit that goal, and that's just the next goal. So having goals is great, but it's just an, a milepost along a journey. And so, like shifting goals as opposed to being the point, they're just really something to drag you forward. And then on that note, though, even deeper, even deeper. This came from a cartoon I saw the other day, a Zen cartoon, and it showed a a little dragon riding on the back of Big Panda. And Little Dragon says to Big Panda, or Big Panda says to Little Dragon, rather, "Uh, Little Dragon, is it the journey or the destination? And Little Dragon thinks for a second, and he said, it's the company. And for me, that's, you know... Who are you sharing it with? Like, experiences almost become real the moment we share them with other people and people we love. And so, like, who cares if you're successful in every way conceivable until you have someone, you know, until I call my mom and brag to my mom, an achievement's not real. Until I celebrate with my wife and my son, like, who cares? It's like, yay! Who can I call? Right? And it's like, okay, what's the real point? It's to have stuff to celebrate with and do with your friends that's what it's you know turned into for me you know growing up feeling like outcast now like what motivates me today is the opportunity to really like be with people and connect with people and so what you know as i i still invent stuff but you know getting into this the work of transformation really drew me because suddenly it's like oh i can have like a whole element of my career devoted to just like being with people and supporting them and seeing this kind of cool stuff, which opens up new possibilities for them. Cause it's stuff that like opened up whole new vistas for me. And the cool thing is it's not actually that intellectually challenging, you know, like you may have at the time thought that the concepts and the training were over your head, which they're not. And you're much you know, brighter than you gave yourself credit for. That was course, the story I was telling that. myself. And the cool thing about all this stuff is at the end of the day you don't even have to understand it. If you do the work, it works. It's like you don't have to understand how push-ups are making you stronger. Mm. But if you do a push-up, you get stronger. You can even like not like. You can hate. You can even disagree with or not believe in push-ups. I don't believe in push-ups. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Please continue to do them and you'll get stronger anyway.
0: So much good stuff in that little uh, last bit you were talking about there. And there's there's a whole bunch of topics that you are bringing up here that I feel like we might have to do some spin-off interviews about. Uh, but I do want to get into um, what I do with every single guest that, that I have on, which is the power of one lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a handful of questions here. And they don't have to be one word answers, but they can be, you know, concise uh, you know, minute or two type thing, respond, whatever comes to mind, whatever comes to mind. Sound good? All right. So here we go. So first one is, uh, who is one person or mentor that has been the most influential in your life all time? All time. If you can pinpoint one person. Yeah. I mean, my father, for sure. I mean, my parents, it's like hard to pin it
1: on one, really. My parents, you know, I I say my father first, because he was like my, in some ways, my business mentor. And I modeled himself after myself, after him as my role model in many ways of how I approach life. So I've you know, when I look at who I be in the world, I see so much of who my father is and the way he tries to be. You know, and like striving to be a good person and and uh, always trying to do my very best. And you know, like my heart is like Hawker's never quit. And then uh, that's like my father. You know, hawker's never quit, kind of like you know Lannister's always pay their debts, and uh, Hawker's never quit. Right, that's engraven on my soul. And then, in my mother just like the love of of people, like it's just the and being uh, in love with people, which is my mom's just in love with people. So those are my two greatest mentors uh, for sure. Though there have been many, many uh, my you know first mentor Jack Kent and you know product stuff and Susan London, my first coach and uh, Chris Lee who mentored me in this work along with Michael Strasner major influences. Lewis has been a great teacher in my life. You know, I once was his mentor and he became mine in many ways. And and uh and also, you know, my kid is a is a great teacher <laughs> of like patience and like learn just so many lessons, you know. Um so that's not that concise of an answer, but I'm
0: completely... No, but I got it. I got it. I'm sure it. I missed a million people
1: too, you know, just you know it's <laughs> like that's the cool thing.
0: Next question, please. Yeah. And of course it's always meant to be like, who's the first one that comes to mind. Right. And it's amazing when it's your parents, because sometimes people's stories are really tied tightly um, to bad childhood experiences. Right. So when you can say that, like, no, no, it's, you know, even though it was a simpler time back when we were kids and the internet didn't exist and stuff like, I know that's usually my answer too. Right. It's like, yeah, it was my dad because it's like, you know, your word is your bond, be nice to all people. And like, that's it. Those are good life lessons, you know? So I love that answer. Um, but on that note, so who is one person or mentor that you would say is most influential in your life right now at this moment? Who would you say is that person? Mentor in my life right now. That's a
1: fascinating question. I've read a couple of books by Frederick Dodson lately, a book, Levels of Energy, that had a, a big impact on the way I've been thinking. I, you know, I, uh, you know, looking beyond, like, you know, I'm my wife, Summer Ronaldo, is like rising up in a way right now, like just, you know, Summer, and she's just been like stepping up in a huge way in her life right now. And that's been uh, super inspiring. And then like Joe Dispenza, I went to a Joe Dispenza workshop right before the pandemic.
0: That was, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's aces, people. That's aces, not to be missed. Love it, love it. Yeah, no, it gives me insight into future conversations we'll have then, too, because I've been deep diving into the whole idea of energy and stuff that I've long thought as really woo-woo, this whole, um, you know, quantum physics and everything. Like, just things that, you know, third level of dimension, fourth level, fifth level, like, there's a lot of things that I've just always thought, like, yeah, okay, I uh, like, I can't control that, so therefore, I'm, and I can't see it, so I'm not going to believe it to be true, but I'm very much with you on that.
1: I've gotten to the you know, it's like what's true is much is much less uh, valuable of a question than what's useful? Like, can you use it in a way that creates something valuable? And if that's it's so that's way more important to me than you know what's the factual truth? Well, congratulations, you're right about something. And so what? You can be right or you can use this tool that has value. you know being right is a
0: hollow victory. Well, I'm very self-aware of the fact that it's very much my ego that speaks from that place most of the time (laughs) when I'm trying to like validate something to be true. Right? You're like you're you're asking (laughs) defense. Yeah, it's like you're approaching this the wrong way. You're asking the wrong questions. You know, just give in to the process, right? What is uh, one philanthropic cause that means the most to you, and why? Is there anything in particular? Yeah. uh,
1: Well. The one that I in I have two that I'm sort of committed to one uh, on a monthly basis, I'll say like that like regular thing causes that matter to me. One is called motherful. It's a single mother's, and it is actually started by one person who's been my executive assistant for like thirteen years. and uh, and then the other one is Lewis House's sister Heidi, actually, just coincidentally. They're friends. They started together, motherful, and they're both single mothers. And it is a collective of people, of, of single mothers, helping each other out. And they are doing big things, and that is very, very, very inspiring and very cool. And then another cause I support: a friend of mine who's a, a, a warrior fighting the death penalty. Which is, I don't have too many political causes that actually I get inspired by, but uh, I'm, you know, the, the death penalty is is the one that really picks me up. So.
0: Wow, That's interesting. Yeah, Heidi, well, there's a flash from the past. I actually, I know, like, crazy. when Lewis and I were working together, Heidi um, was working with me um, back in those days. It was, like, 2011. I don't think we probably talked for, like, 10 years, though, but I'll have to reach out to her and, and She's look doing big in things house. in Columbus, Ohio. Really big things. Cool things. Awesome. You Ohio people, always up to big things. We're just as smart at half the price. That's <laughs> there you go there's always a connection there though i always joke about it because like i'm from the middle of canada and saskatchewan and it's very much similar people you know it's like salt of the earth um grew up knowing the value of hard work most of your sports teams were not very good but yet you <laughs> stuck by them you know and and then i'm a they... guy and
1: we're champ we're champions not that i well take there you go credit yeah. for that or you know but i
0: do allow myself to feel good about it because why not <laughs> exactly that's what I was just gonna say actually is like eventually they are really good actually yeah, well probably you know I never been good for I never allow myself to feel bad about it but I do allow myself to feel good about it it's fun yes uh what is one thing that you are most grateful for right now my health mm.
1: <sighs> you know it's just like uh so present to how important it is you know without your health you have nothing really you know if, like if you completely lose your health, you're dead and there's no possibilities there. And uh, so I'm just really clear all the time that it's not always there. And when it's not, you miss it. So don't take it for granted. And so I, you know, I spend a lot of, you know, not outrageous amounts, but you know, significant amounts of time and energy taking care of myself because I really am um, present to the prices of not. And I enjoy
0: being alive every second of it. (laughs) There's something to be said about it, right? And it does take on a different perspective too. I know before I had kids, I had a different reflection on health. Health was more about like the way that I look and all that kind of stuff. But now it's like, how do I show up every single day to be the greatest version of myself so that in 20 years that when my kids want to go surfing with me, I can, you know? So that's a big driver for me of, um, the health side of things. Plus, you're living in this,
1: and it feels bad when it's not working, right? Like physically, it's unpleasant. So I like,
0: I'm, I'm resistant to negative uh, physical sensations. So I do things, to try to avoid them in the future. Uh, what is one thing you are most curious about and exploring deeper? I'll ask the inventor. <laughs> it's probably a million things that come to mind.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm... I'm doing all kinds of things all the time. What am I most curious about? Uh, Consciousness right now. Consciousness, understanding the nature of my consciousness, because, you know, what I'm clear about is we experience everything we experience through the lens of our consciousness. And so as we understand this lens that is, in fact, our, you know, turns out to be equal to our life, and we learn how to, then we can, we actually become powerful in our lives. Like if we Manage the lens, we manage reality. And so, the deeper I understand it, the you know theoretically, the more effective I am in navigating actual reality. And on top of that, it's just very, very fascinating because it's like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I can really spend a lot of time thinking about and never gets old. It's really interesting because it's like about you, right? Like, who am I really? What's going on there? And like trying to get behind the thoughts and like the and go down that path forever which is the, i awesome. recently read the book <laughs> how to change your mind by michael Pollan, which is has some great stuff on consciousness towards me really fascinating it's about how they're using psychedelics to treat fear of death and things like this and, and patients who are dying but it gets into like the nature of consciousness itself as they're he's trying to explain their understanding of how this works and why it works and it just can't help but get quite interesting. Like, it's trippy.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting you say that because, like, I think four interviews ago, we talked for a good, like, 30 minutes about ayahuasca and mind-altering drugs and just the the social, social acceptance of these things where it might have been taboo to even talk about it in the past. Now it's like, no, there's, like, sci- like deep scientific research being done on this stuff now that's, like, you know, I mean, overcoming I met a, I met a guy all those stigmas. Day. That's his job. And he works for like uh, John Hopkins. And for John Hopkins, he's researching psychedelics. Yeah. I'm on board with you on that one. I'm definitely curious about that too. Last question for you, Chris. What is one thing that you would say scares you right now that you know you need to face with bravery? Oof. Well, there's so many
1: <laughs> There's so many things. Uh, You know, in Next Level, we are navigating returning to in-person after being offline for a year or online and having transitioned there. And it's it's a big, complicated transition. And we're, you know, there's a lot of variables in it. And, you know, we're still not out of the woods in so many ways. Like, we've reinvented mightily. And there's like, so, which isn't to say that I'm in any fear around it, but it's, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so that's something that we're, uh, diving into there's a a term my good friend Brook uh, Wodinsky taught me, which is "cattywampus." Have you heard the term "cattywampus"? No, no. It means to go uh, in a, with great confidence in an uncertain direction. Mm. So they go confidently into uncertainty, and so that's you know how we're trying to take that on. The other thing I'll say that I'm like that re- brings me terror right now, or like that has. Me kind of nervous right now is going back to school next year. My kid's entering middle school, and he just spent a year in homeschooling. He turned eleven today. Happy birthday, Nico! And happy uh, birthday, buddy. <laughs> and but I'm like, ah, uh, it's like it's in the back of my mind. I'm like, Ooh, what's going to be like next year? You know, as I look, when you asked the question, that's the other thing that popped up for me. I'm, I'm a little nervous about it because it's like, oof, how's that going to be? He's used to like a certain amount of freedom now, and middle school is a whole shift. School has been a school has been a challenge, you know, for Nico. You know, when I was in school, it was a challenge for me as well for different reasons. But I'm, you know, like as a parent, you know, you want your kids to not have struggles, and it's, you know, this is, you know, parenting is such a great teacher because you have high stakes and almost uh, no control. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. (laughs) so that's, that's what
0: I get to uh, be brave about. Love it. Yeah, and just so you know, those last three questions about what are you grateful for? What are you curious about? And what do you know you need to face with bravery? It's another theme that I've uh, grounded myself in in doing this because I know that my kids, although they're three and four right now and they're not listening to this, at some point in the future, they will. And I want them to always think about it um, in that order as well too, is like, just be grateful first of all. Never lose curiosity as to, like, questioning things of, like, why is a certain thing the way that it is? Just constantly be curious about things. And then also, like, just the bravery side is, like, to just be real about the fact that, like, we have these moments where we fear the unknown. And yet when we look back, and I know you can attest to this more than anybody and even in the trainings that you've done— usually we create the fear and elevate it to a level that's usually not even necessary. It's kind of like internally built, you know? But to just say that like, hey, we all face these things and sometimes you just got to leap off and just know that you're going to land in deep enough water <laughs> and
1: that you'll be able to swim. <laughs> yeah, that you'll be able to swim, right? That's, that's yeah. the thing is, uh I've learned to trust myself because I haven't died yet, you know? <laughs> like there's been so many moments in the past where I... Uh, you know, before I did this work, I freaked myself out a lot and I was just bottled up stress and I was so, I mean, I was having major health breakdowns and all that because I was just so much stress. And uh, now, but then when I reflect back on it, all the situations that I was so terrified of, every single one of them turned out okay. And I had this like flash of realization, like, wow, I could have had all those same experiences and skipped the horrible fear. Just skipped it. Just assumed it was gonna work out okay because in the end it did and I could have like spared myself like a hundred false deaths. Right? I died like a hundred times without ever dying, you know? I'm like, oh god. And it's still something I have to work on, you know? You know, cough, you're like, uh you're like, uh, you're like, uh COVID. Yeah. <laughs> right? Lung cancer. You're like, ah, uh, you know, no, actually pollen, probably. You know, so it's just, but your brain always goes to these worst case scenarios. Yeah. I was just, I used to torture myself with them regularly. And now I've learned to just trust the process or to remind myself to, you know, I don't always immediately go there. And that's like the nature of this work. It doesn't make you like perfect by any means. It makes you, uh, you know, but it gets, gives you some tools. Like when you're doing that, you can catch it and you go, oh, wait a second, I don't have to like freak out here. I can remind myself that it worked out all the other times. And then, you know, save it, save it for the
0: time when things go actually go haywire or not. Could have, when the lion is actually chasing you, not when you're making it to believe it to be true, and it's not actually there. <laughs> right, right, right. To use the, I think that's a dispensa kind of analogy. I think a few people use use that one, but. Um. Yeah, Chris, I just want to acknowledge you for all of the work that you're doing right now. And obviously the journey that's brought you to this point. And I'm just grateful for the fact that we're reconnected here again, too, because obviously, you know, life gets busy and you lose contact and stuff. And, you know, you're a person that came into my life exactly when I needed it. And now we're reconnecting again because of that exact same thing. We don't even know where it's going to take us. But and there's a lot more that I feel like we can go deeper on with this. But we'll we'll book another one because my intent too is not to have like, let's do an interview and then never talk again. It's like, no, let's do a series. Like maybe we'll book another one in a couple of months from now and we'll go deeper on a topic or something. So uh, thank you so much for being here and doing this. Uh, do you want to maybe let people w- know where they can connect with you or they can find out more about next level trainings, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Next, next level trainings.com. Next level trainings with an S, with an S an on the end, end with an right? An yeah. I made that mistake a few times. Yeah. S on the end. Yeah um for you know
1: transformational trainings trident invents again with the s on the end trident like the gum tridentinvents.com is where my invention business goes that's down now so i also have a t-shirt a software right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's that's uh, yeah and uh i actually have a software startup as well called small software That's at smallsoftware.com doing business operations software for franchise owners and uh, there's a few other things, but those are a few sites worth checking out. Also, Inventor Chris on Instagram, if you want to DM me. I'm not a big social media poster myself, where you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Chris Hawker. But I do respond to outreaches and stuff. Uh, I just, I, you know, I, I before the pandemic, I was, like, very not much online. Now I have embraced presenting online and do a lot of it, but I'm still not like, all about online social media. I'm just too busy with, you know...
0: The in front of <laughs> well, that's that inner um, uh, aspect of you too that wants to just be doing lots of things too, right? Like how can you stay focused on just one thing and, and, and just do that? But it's kind of forced us into it, right? When you couldn't go and host live events or do these workshops and stuff. But it is great to see that this is starting to kind of come back to that space because there's nothing that can replace a, a handshake and a hug, you know? So I'm excited for that part of the world to open up. So, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate this. Uh, I me too. Grateful that to, grateful to be here. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave.